Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and wellstarthealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a healthy and heritage-informed life. So this week, I get to interview two of my favorite people in the world, Ramona and Dustin Lajani. So the name Lajani might be familiar to you uh, through Josh. Ramona is Josh's mother and Dustin is Josh's little brother. And they are part of a family that has lost over a thousand pounds through running and plant eating. And Mona and Dustin are the cooks in the family. And they never quite relinquished that role, even when they discovered that all the things they had been cooking and eating up to that point had been fueling weight gain and heart disease. And in fact, one of their biggest challenges was abandoning all of their classic Southern recipes, the things they grew up with from Mississippi and Louisiana that they loved and took pride in making and sharing the gumbos, the jambalayas, the turnip stew, the cabbage rolls, all the delicious desserts in favor of this, you know, low fat plant based fare. And they decided there had to be a way to have the best of both worlds, both their cherished traditions and their health. And so to that end, Mona and Dustin began experimenting at first individually. And then I think they uh, shared notes in the kitchen. And I know Mona spent about a year before she was satisfied with her whole food plant-based gumbo recipe. And after finishing the Crescent City Classic 10K a couple of years ago, there was a big booth that was sponsored by Whole Foods in which they took her recipe and cooked huge vats of it for all of the runners. So on that day, thousands of people got to experience that whole food plant-based Southern cooking can be just as delicious and far kinder to your body than the traditional version. Um, Dustin, meanwhile, was also working on his own jambalaya, kebabs, hash browns, desserts, breakfast bowls, things that he could put in front of his friends, people who hadn't adopted this diet. And they would say, yeah, I can see this. This is pretty good. And we don't need to change everything about the way we eat. We don't need to just have salads or granola or muesli or sticks or rabbit food or whatever people's impression of whole food plant-based food is. We can still enjoy these traditions, these wonderful tastes, and we can do it without a side of obesity and chronic disease. And last month, all their hard work culminated in the publication of a cookbook. It's called Pure Ambrosia. And the story of how it got its name is revealed in our podcast interview. 
Pure Ambrosia Lejani Family Traditions Recreated for Health and Longevity. And so we talked about their individual stories. We talked about the book. We talked about food. And we also spoke about the experience of their family transformation and the surprising ways in which each of them changed and grew far beyond the food and the running and the general outlook on health. We talked about Mona's work with her local Plant Pure pod, part of Plant Pure Nation, and Dustin's explorations of gardening, running, and becoming an advocate for healthy living. And I am sure at the end of this conversation that you will love and respect them as much as I do. So we videotaped this one as well. You can catch it on the show notes page for this episode, which is plantyourself.com slash 325. You can also go on YouTube and just search for Ramona and Dustin Lajani plant yourself and you can find it there at the source. And the only thing I'll say before we get right into the interview is I have a favor and that is that you go to Amazon and you purchase the Kindle book. It's $2.99. And far more than the impact of the money on Lajani's would be just looking at the stats and seeing that what they have done is valuable in the world and that there are a lot of people out there who are going to benefit from it. So if you've got three bucks and you're hankering to make some recipes from down home Louisiana, down home Mississippi, um, I would encourage you to go to uh, the Amazon page for Pure Ambrosia and buy it, download it, and start cooking. And also, if you... Uh, could offer a review and let people know what you think of it. That would help them out as well. All right. Thanks for that. Let's get to it. Without further ado, Mona and Dustin Lajani, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thanks. Hey, nice to see you. Yeah. So we're, we're here to sell books. We are here to sell your new uh, Kindle cookbook, Pure Ambrosia, which is the, all these recipe, home family recipes from uh, Louisiana and Mississippi. But we are here to do much more than that. Um, first, I want to you know, introduce you both to my podcast listeners who may not know you. So, uh, Mona, ladies first, tell, tell us a little bit, you know, who you are and a little bit of your story. Uh, my name is Ramona Lajani. Uh, I uh, have been whole food plant-based about six years now. Uh, I have three amazing children. I have uh, Josh is my oldest. Many of you know Josh. This is Dustin, mm -hmm. my middle child, and then Cassie mm -hmm. is my baby. And I have an amazing little grandchild, Grayson, and some awesome in-laws. I have uh, BJ and Derek and Mishka. And mm -hmm. my whole family's whole food plant-based, and we've lost over a thousand pounds. And that's about that's about it. All right. Great. So um, we'll, we'll come back and unpack that. And uh, Dustin, your turn. Hello, my name is Dustin Lajani uh, from Louisiana. Uh, I've been plant-based for about five years now. I've lost a total of 190 pounds. Um, just finished my first ultra marathon this year. Um, always loved cooking. Um, Part of the reason how I was able to get to be so big because I was good in the kitchen. Um, but I like the new challenge, uh, the challenges of, of cooking um, this way because um, it's not mainstream. And I like I like uh, doing new stuff with new ingredients. It's pretty cool. Cool. So um, you guys, you know, you're you're part of this uh, kind of amazing Lajani clan that is 
that so many people are looking at and saying, wow, like, I can't believe what's possible because, you know, people feel like, okay, yeah, maybe I could make this change myself individually. But the way you guys have done it as a, you know, wholesale as a family with, with in-laws, with grandchildren now, um, it's, you know, I, I look at it and I just look at your before and after pictures and it feels a little bit like magic. What, what was the process actually like from, uh, from, from, yeah. I think that the, the, um, it was necessary for my success for the whole of the family to be involved or at least interested at some point and then growing on, you know, in that direction, uh, because we do so many family gatherings that if everybody mm. wasn't bored, I don't see how it would have been sustainable. Mm. So I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's a key to success. Uh-huh. What and what what about um, sort of the, the dynamics of you know I, I guess so Josh went first. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And like I know, and you know, in my family, we love each other. And whenever one of us comes home, comes home with a new idea, it's like a virus, and like the rest of us are like the immune system trying to kill it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. That's the way it was I, at first. Yeah. I, I was and. <laughs> The only thing I couldn't argue with was his results. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's what I couldn't mm-hmm. argue with. Yeah. So at first, did it seem like just another thing he was trying, like he had tried so many things before, and you were just like, okay, this this, this is crazy. This too will pass? Yeah. Well, I'm just going to wait and see. Because yeah. it was crazy. It was like you wanted me. I wasn't a big meat person, but he wanted me to get a dairy. And I was like, that is insane. I uh-huh. can't get a dairy. And so I said, I'll just watch and wait and see. And and he uh, he got me interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, he was very persistent, too. You know how he can be. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, um, Dustin, you, you went second, right? Is that right? In, term, in terms of... I kind of... Yeah, I started. I, I, didn't know was, I didn't jump in full-fledged like Josh did, but after uh-huh. he did and I saw his results, it had me curious, and I had the most... I had the most to lose, you know, so uh-huh. I started, I started getting curious and started implementing and then, you know, started getting more and more strict and giving up more and more things. And it just, the results kept coming. The more I changed and did, the more results I got. Uh-huh. See, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass, but I, I do want to say that I think going second is actually harder than, than going first. Um, there's this video that I, it's been like going around, it was went around YouTube in terms of like leadership. And the video was this, like a big, like field, grassy field with people sort of picnicking and partying all over it. And one guy is dancing and he's doing this like very wild dance for like 10 minutes all by himself. And then eventually he gets a crowd of people all dancing. And so the, like the, the, the plot of the thing is like, that's leadership. But really, if you watch the video, the turning point was the second person. Mm-hmm. And so, OK, like it's OK to be a crowd or it's OK to do this crazy dance. It's OK. It's OK to do this, to to follow, you know, to to to, to be a follower of the first person is actually to be a leader. 
And it actually means not only being a leader, but kind of humbling yourself a little bit to be second. Mm -hmm. I just want you know, I just kind of want to honor like in what I've seen of this whole family transformation that you it wasn't jo Josh wasn't the turning point you were. Well, I got to be honest when I say I did it because I was jealous of the results Josh had. Uh -huh. And I, I desperately needed those results and I was uh -huh. aware of it. And, you know, I, the results took work, you know, uh -huh. and, you know, now by default, it's nice to see that I was, you know, helping the next person in the family to come do the crazy dance. Right. <laughs> but at the moment. It was, I was, I was just fishing for those results. I, I wanted them. Uh -huh. and I, you know, Josh had them and I wanted them. Right. But what, what results in particular? Because I know that Josh had already lost 100 pounds a few times. He'd gotten pretty svelte, you know, from, from keto, from, you know, these drugs that were taken off the market. Right. Were, you, were you like following him in those things earlier as well? I did. I did. And I followed him with putting the weight right back on. Uh -huh. The only thing different this time was I've never seen him lose weight and then become very athletic become enabled to do you know some 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 you know some athletic things and running uh -huh. particularly uh -huh. and i was like well and you know not only that but then the information that that he pushed on me to 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 look at you know it just opened my mind it made sense and i had a lot of awakenings you know uh -huh. and from it's amazing how many other awakenings that are not food um, connected with food at all or diet at all, but have come Absolutely. from changing my diet. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, this time just seemed different because never before had he ever become an athlete after uh -huh. you know, starting to lose weight. And, you know, it, it just, it was, that was a game changer. Gotcha. And who, who, who was next? Mona, were you next or was there uh, a, uh, a, a spouse or, or partner or, or Cassie? I think Dustin and I were kind of simultaneously doing it together. Uh -huh. uh, Josh focused on me more because I was the cook. Uh -huh. And so he felt like because my dad was still with us and he felt like that if he could change the way I was thinking, then I, uh, we would change the cooking and then automatically the food would be better. Okay? Uh -huh. And so that's kind of what happened. They, we, I started cooking differently. And uh, it was good food. And so they were like, okay, it's not this bad. And Josh was just melting in front of our eyes. And we, we all struggled with weight, all of us. I, I have been overweight my whole entire life. I, I've tried, you name it, I've tried. I even had the lap band surgery and I lost weight and gained it all back. I've since had it removed. So I was desperate. Uh, somebody asked me what made it. Uh, what made me change and I think it was just a perfect storm I was I was desperate I was searching for answers and Josh was was living it out loud in front of me and I'm thinking this may be it this may mm. be it mm. and I, I uh, so I jumped on board and I'm so glad I did mm -hmm. so. cool so you said the food you know you were you were cooking and you changed the way you cooked and it tasted good Mm -hmm. I'm really curious about that because it wasn't cheese. It wasn't, you know, the, the very, very high fat stuff. What, 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 the first day you said, okay, I need to cook something that my family will like and that's healthier. 
What did you do? Well, what the first thing I did was, uh, to be honest with you, I didn't completely get rid of the uh, all the oil. I switched mm-hmm. to olive oil, of course, and I used very little oil. I, I would maybe take a, a paper towel and wipe the pan and stuff like that. And uh, I just mm-hmm. removed the bad stuff. I didn't use dairy and I didn't use meat. So my first few meals were good, but I've since grown because I know now how I can substitute things for, for dairy and for meat. But the main thing is we cook with a lot of seasonings. We cook with a lot of onions and celery and bell pepper and garlic. And if you just eat that, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. So you, you were able to see the, that the core of your cooking was already plants. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And what about... Yeah, go, In go. the beginning, we used a lot of those transitional foods that you could find, even though very minimal in our markets around here. That's what we used and then kind of looked at those things. And just by looking at the ingredients list, looked at those things and said, well, I wonder if I could make this dish, you know, that that, you know, kind of in the same way that they made this transitional food that I'm buying in the grocery store, like a veggie patty. You know, right. that was one of those. Uh, I think it was I forget the name brand, but it was a California, California burger. And I leaned mm. heavily on those um, that and eating as much greens and fruits as I could. But it was one of those things that kept me from going back to the to the other foods I was trying to avoid. And by by using those transitional foods, it gave me ideas because I'm, I wasn't a stroke. We both were not strangers in the kitchen. I was like, well, hey, maybe I can create some of my own stuff. And by by cleaning up the things I don't want, even in the transitional foods, right? Because the transitional foods, wasn't, I didn't want to lean on them forever because it's going to limit my results. But it gave mm-hmm. me ideas on what I could do in my kitchen. Right. And um, so we just started, you know, we trying to that way, recreate right? the, the same dishes just without the, the heart disease. <laughs> I, I would look, like if... Like right now, I, I want to do boudin. I want to try boudin. So what, what's so, what's that? Boudin is a, a Cajun sausage, and it's made from, I don't know, pork stuff. It's, it's not it's, good. It's made okay. from pork and some of its innards, and yeah. it's all ground and cooked with seasoning and rice. And uh-huh. it's just packed with its rice and the, the pork and the pork innards and cooked and seasoned and packed in a, in a casing, which is really just an intestine. Right. And it's good. I know it sounds terrible, but it's delicious. Uh-huh. But what I do, this is the way I think, okay? I want boudin. But what I'm going to do is I'll look at the recipe and I go, okay, the onion, celery, bell pepper, garlic, all that we can do. Now, and rice. So what do I need to do to not put the pork in it? Okay? So I'm thinking maybe ground mushrooms. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of the cauliflower walnut meat that you make. So that's how I start creating recipes is I look at something that I like. I look at the recipe and I start thinking, how can I fix it different, more healthy? (laughs) That's the beginning. Gotcha. And uh, do you get it right the first time a lot or do you you tend to uh, experiment? (laughs) Oh, no. My gumbo took me probably a year before I got it the way I wanted it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I think I mean that's really important for people to hear because they'll say, "Okay, well, I'm going to try this plant-based thing," and they're going to cook a dish. And we we get this a lot from people at Wellstar, like, "Oh, I made lentils; they were terrible." 
And like in, okay. in their mind, that means, oh, well, this doesn't work. I give up. This type of food is terrible. Yeah. It's in the case, right. Yeah, my first couple of lentil loaves were awful. <laughs> I didn't like it, and I almost gave up. But I said, I know I can do it better. I know how. I know what I need to do next time. And it's it's a process. And then when you, and the thing about it, uh, um, I'm from Mississippi and Louisiana. Most I'm a cook. Most cooks that are comfortable in the kitchen don't use recipes. They don't use measuring spoons and measuring cups. So the mm. hardest thing for me was to measure everything. And so mm. when I got a recipe just right, the way I liked it. Then I had to start measuring to make sure that I had all the measurements correct. Uh-huh. So, so it's a huge process. It takes time. So that's really interesting that you, you know, for, for me, the way I would define like a cook is someone who has lots of cookbooks, lots of recipes, is right? But that's more foodie. Like the way you're talking about it is like an actual chef who would uh, innovate, yeah, to create. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's an art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I use a recipe as a guide. I never, very rarely do I ever follow a recipe. I mm-hmm. I, I really love to be in the kitchen um, before this lifestyle. And I kind of got bored with it, to be honest with you, because hmm. it comes to a point to where you can pretty much make anything taste good. You know, if you're, if you're after the caloric density, you can make anything you can make anybody like something if you put enough buttercream, bacon, <laughs> stuff like that in it. So yeah. the challenge is really out the window. But with the new lifestyle, I'm like, hey, I can recreate some dishes that we are known and popular for down in the South. But let's leave the heart disease out of it. Let's still be number one in the kitchen, but without it killing us exactly. too soon. You know, so the challenge is back in my mind in my eyes to, to recreate these dishes without those butters and creams and bacon. And, you know, it's, yeah, let's have our, you know, let's have our salad and eat it too. (laughs) Let's make good meals and not have to die early deaths as a consequence. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that, you know, it reminds me a lot of um, the work I've done with people on entrepreneurship, which is you, you, you think, Oh, an entrepreneur, what they really want is, you know, like a hundred million dollars of investment and access to the market, and it turns out that like all like great entrepreneurship um, innovation is based on constraint. On gee, we couldn't, we we didn't have enough money, so we had to figure out this other way to do it. And your constraint yeah, here great. is, <laughs> yes, exactly. Right, that's yes. that's really interesting. Um, so how how did the rest of the family come along? Um, I think uh, probably Cassie was next. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cassie had to basically do it on her own because Derek wasn't with her for almost a year. So she mm-hmm. was on her own in her home for uh-huh. about a year. And um, but, but once he started seeing the result, it just started happening like the domino. Well, I'll tell you, for that. Cassie, I, I told Cassie. Mm-hmm. Because she saw oh, that I started right. having results, and I told her, I said, Cassie, I know that we've both, we've all tried different things. I said, but this is the, this is the, this is the most sustainable weight that I've ever lost weight before. This and it's and it makes not only am I losing weight, but I feel better. I feel like I'm doing it right because I feel good. You know, the Zinedrin, I was losing weight, but I was, I could feel the hair growing on my neck, and I couldn't. I couldn't sit still for ten minutes, and then, and then as soon as I couldn't get them anymore, 
all the weight came right back. You know, I just didn't feel right. You know when it doesn't feel mm-hmm. right. And, yeah. and I told her, I said, it just feels good. The weight's falling off. I'm, you know, I never dreamed I would want to run, but it had me wanting to move my body. And I told her she was she was convinced to try it, you know, and that's been what four years for dancing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Go ahead, Mona. I, I was going to say I felt the same way that when I first started eating this way and losing weight, I just I wanted to exercise, so I went and I was hesitant to join a gym. And I said I don't want to join a gym. I said because I always did it and wasted money. So I said. I'm going to join the gym and I'm not even going to last the year. Well, that's been five years ago and I've been going three times a week now for five years. So it does give you energy and make you want to move. Uh huh. Yep. Comfortable in your body. Yep. I remember hearing that from Garth Davis after, you know, he, he changed, like he had never been an athlete, never viewed himself as, as even having a body. Like it was, you know, he was always a mind and all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to go crazy if I don't do something with this energy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Dustin, you mentioned like a lot of other things started shifting for you around mindset and philosophy beyond just the, the eating habits. Um, what like what? Just I, I because of the food part, the the learning about a plant based diet, not only did it uh, open my eyes or open up my mind to what I didn't know, it made me it made me hungry to find out more, and um, I just like watching what the health and not only figuring out or understanding the way we've been taught to eat, but also trying to understand the way our markets work and the way our government works and the way that that industry can influence policy and legislation. And I've learned a lot about, you know, different operations and the way that we, you know, just I, I, my mind has I, I've just I've changed as a person, I believe, because. And it, I watched a documentary about how the gut is tied to the brain and how it's believed that our gut used to be our primary decision maker, you know, before our brain and how in intuition can comes from our gut. And, um, I really believe that after I cleaned up what I put in my gut and started putting something in there that nature could, could recognize, I, I started I started thinking differently and my eyes started opening and the blinders came off and I just, I can, I don't know. I I just want to live a more simple life in touch with nature. And I want to be just the simple man. I, I don't have some of the same aspirations as I used to have. I don't want half of the things I used to want. Um, I feel a lot different politically and, um, I just uh, I, I think bringing awareness to my diet helped me bring awareness to everything else yep, in my life and having a lot more compassion. I totally agree. Wow. I've never heard it put that way before. It's almost like your gut was like colonized by industry. Yes. <laughs> right. Like the, the bacteria that want you to have sugar and, and processed food also right. also require a certain mindset. Yeah. I, I believe it. Yeah, it's almost like I like I've read about um, 
like, you know, cats have this bacterium that humans um, can ingest that they or or that they they're, they're like become cat lovers <laughs> or um, like I think there's there's bacteria that can get into the brains of mice that uh, the bacteria then complete their life cycle in the digestive system of a cat and they turn like they make the mice go and like run towards the cat you know like like you know not to that extent but somehow like yeah. our we think it's us doing the thinking but but you have to kind of let go of that food to realize how how unindependent you have been that's crazy but so right yeah. that's exactly what i'm saying yeah. Uh, Mona, what about you? What about you know shifts that you made beyond the kitchen and the the plate? It and I'm just I'm like Dustin. I, it, I'm amazed at um, the way my thinking has changed. I was raised very strict, uh, um, Southern Baptist, uh, North Mississippi, so. Uh, I had a lot of views that that weren't very popular, and so this it's got me thinking different, totally different. It's almost like a 180, and I, it's hard to explain, and I don't understand. All I can do is agree with Dustin that my gut is healthier, and I read an article, and I read this article quite a few years ago that uh, that 70 percent of your serotonin is is produced in your gut. Hmm. And so, and I, I firmly believe that. And so now that my gut is healthy, it's making me think in a healthier way, being more open-minded, being more aware of, of people and, and differences in animals and the earth. And I was one of those naysayers about climate change until six years ago or five years ago. And I totally, I get it now. And so it's like, it's like a, a new awareness of things. I don't know. It's an awakening, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, I'm imagining how, how hard that must have been and how much courage it must take to do a 180, especially since you, you live in the same town that you lived in before. And I know it's a, you know, it's a fairly, I don't know if the word is conservative, but I'd love to get into kind of some, almost some of the specifics of, of these shifts because yeah. it's, so, it's so interesting to me. Like the moment, like, like, what is it like the moment you wake up and you realize that this belief you've identified with your whole life and maybe you've put out lawn signs about it is no longer valid for you? Like, how do you uh, how do you deal with that internally and then start talking about it? It's a battle. It's a battle. It was scary. It, it was extremely scary. Um there's many people that I love very, very much that still believe the way that I used to believe. And so it's scary, but it's it's something that I can't pretend that I don't feel anymore. You know what I mean? It's it's something that I, I have to say. I speak up now when it's when um, people are talking and I don't I don't agree. Uh-huh. And, and, Do you have any, spe- and, any specific examples? Um. Well, climate change, for instance, I talked about that quite often in my in my little hometown school here that when I was a teacher and quite and and a lot of people go, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe in climate change, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what and I was called a tree hugger, you know, and I'm the hippie thing, you know, but I'm okay. I'm totally okay with being a hippie. 
but uh, but it, it's just it was yeah it's not the norm. Uh huh. And I I don't want to paint an ugly picture of the South, but they they have ways that have been um, tradition, you know. And who goes against tradition? There's, it's just it's just the way people think. And and when you go <laughs> against it uh, now, yeah. But but you know, when I was thinking uh, on the way over here, driving over here, I was thinking uh, about this podcast and how how it's almost. I had to mourn what I was leaving behind, mm. you know, which is, which is crazy. But, um, because when you, when you leave something that you've known all your life behind, it's, it's difficult, right. but if you know it's wrong, it's, it's the only thing you can do. Right. I mean, you know, I'm, uh, I'm Jewish, so I, I have a, you know, an outsider's view of Christianity, but the, one, one of the things that I am most impressed with is that the centerpiece of the religion is a, a human being who was resurrected, who became a new person and yeah. and and whose story is all about taking on the establishment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like to me, that's that's the story. It's hard. It's so hard for me to see how anyone who's a Christian could miss that bit of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah. I have a lot of yeah. issues with that now. Yes, I I agree. I'll tell you what, uh, changing after changing my diet and being, you know, becoming awake to a lot of things and, and changing my my mindset on a lot of things that uh, and not and not shying away from it, accepting it and for what it is. And letting everybody know that's who I am uh, will test uh, your friendships with oh, a lot yeah. of people and and relationships. Yeah. Um, not to say that people will tell you they don't want to be your friend anymore, but actions speak louder than words. Yeah. And when you don't see them anymore, you kind of understand, and you kind of question if you were ever really truly friends because of who you are, or because mm -hmm. of the way you were or the what you supported. Right. Mm. You Exactly. <laughs> and so, it, you know, but it's no reason not to be honest with yourself, though. I mean, it's it's a way of evolving into what we're going to be or what we're supposed to be. And, uh, you know, to me, a definition of being a real man is doing the right thing, even when it's the hardest thing to do. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, Josh has taught me a lot about um, Kunas culture and and the roots of it. And it seems like you guys are living the roots of it, which, you know, be, before it became colonized by uh, hyper consumptive industry. When you're talking right. about pe people stand, you know, living in accordance with reality, like if, you know, it's, it'd be like, you know, saying I don't believe in climate change would be like someone from 200 years ago saying, you know, I don't believe in swamps. So, yeah. you know, good luck, good luck eating. Yeah, right. And, you know, I think we, uh, because the I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, my roots aren't Cajun, but I've been mm. living here longer than I lived in, in Mississippi. And uh, these people are very simple, uh, which doesn't mean they're not smart. They're very intelligent. They're very uh, smart, uh, earth smart. They know mm. how to survive. But I think we've uh, I think this culture has 
overindulged in the things that, that they use to survive with, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, because the basics were, I mean, we had, they had melatons and, and, uh, um, thistles, I can't think of the French word for it, but they, they used the swamps for mostly vegetable stuff. They didn't have, you know, they might have crawfish, but I guarantee you they didn't have 50 pounds of crawfish and uh, had parties, you know. They probably bit were able to get a few crawfish to make uh, flavor in a soup or a stew or something. Well, the, the, the thing is about the old Cajuns and Kunasses is, you know, they may do it what they had and and what they had was what they went out and got via burning calories and movement. Yes. They, mm-hmm. they didn't get what they had by just going to a supermarket and getting what they needed and going back home and sitting down. Um, and it was nowhere near in the abundance that you can find it in a supermarket. It was very scarce. So they only had, you know, whatever they, whatever they could find or grow uh, minimally and whatever they could go trap or, or catch you know, fishing and, 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 uh, and uh, other things like that. But it wasn't on such a mass scale the way we do it now every weekend. You know, what what we call tradition, we've let industry come in and sneak in and influence these so-called traditions because it creates a lot of commerce. And, you know, um, I think we've lost sight on what true Cajuns did and how how they lived their lives. And, um, you know, to not give up some of these bad practices we have because we, you know, say it's all from tradition. We really need to reeducate ourselves on what what we used to do. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of what we were talking about earlier with the idea of the, you know, Cajun food is, is arguably one of the greatest food cultures in the world. And it's based on constraint. It's it's based on. Yeah. On, okay, what are we going to do? We found three crawfish. What are we going to do? Exactly. Right. So, so to to go back to the roots is to return to constraint and innovation and a a caloric balance. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Um, okay. So something I'm interested in is you know you guys are both you made, you created this cookbook. You're both really into cooking still. I know Josh was was also, you know, like really prided himself on his ability to do a bunch of things with food. He's really moved away from it, right? He's like, you know, I can't do that anymore. And I, under, I understand why. And he's, you know, I think he's sort of playing with the idea of it's okay to love food, you know, after kind of, you know, decades of, of addiction and moving away from it. But you guys are both still embracing being great cooks and being in the kitchen. Uh, right. right. Yeah. One reason I, I I just love to cook. I find it a, a it's it it kind of it's a stress relief for me. I can get in the kitchen and I can throw some stuff together and forget about everything. I can just 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 kind of it's a dance, you know. But also mm-hmm. a thing that makes me want to recreate dishes is to help to help sell the sell the lifestyle, man. To try yeah. and help some of these other people. That are, you know, want to be knuckleheads about, oh, I can't give up this, I can't give up that. <laughs> How about I make, let me try and make it in a certain way. And every bite you take, tell yourself that this will not give me heart disease. This will not give me heart disease. At least I can get it close enough. I can't make it taste as good as, you know, when you're putting all of that garbage in it. But I can give you 
I can. I, my challenge is to let me get it as close as I can, and and for you to understand and have the clear conscience when you eat it that you're not slowly killing yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had a conversation with a guy today, and we were talking about food and how hitting all these festivals and everything, and how it's just it's so hard to be watching your weight when you're when you're you know going to all these festivals. And I was like, man, I said my dream would be for us to still have all of these amazing dishes around here but not be number one in the the country for heart disease. You know, I said, I think we can do both. I really think we can do both. And and Josh has said this before, but New Orleans is already a world-renowned place for chefs to come and they they put ideas together and they create these amazing dishes. If we could just change some of the ingredients, we could still be that place that makes all of these amazing dishes happen, but – Now's the time we could do it and also fix people's health. You know, I think that these chefs are so amazing. You don't have to have the bacon in it. You don't have to have the butter in it. Let's put our thinking cap on. Let's, you know, we can still have amazing dishes without it killing us. Right. Yeah, it sounds like they, like that's the exciting challenge for you is that you, maybe right, right now you're at 95% and it might take you five years to get to 96%. The, right. Right. That, that you're 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 willing to keep experimenting to um, to market this life giving lifestyle to right yes. to your own community. You guys didn't go off and write a like Northern California Sonoma Valley cookbook or something. You you took, you know, Mississippi, Louisiana. I was just at a, at a conference, the Prevention of Disease Conference, and they had a book that I'd never seen before called Mississippi Vegan. And I looked at it and it was vegan, but it was nowhere near like plant, you know, whole food plant based. It was still like, you know, quarter cup of oil in this. And yeah. it, it may be a little bit sad to see kind of mm-hmm. kind of a missed opportunity. But you guys are whole food plant based, right? Like yes. this, is, this is as clean as, you know, an Esselstyn cookbook. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, it was it's very important to me. And, and, you know, Josh's story. And, and if you've read the, the preface to my cookbook you know my story food was a very important part of my upbringing my childhood it meant more to me than just eating it meant family being together it meant good times it meant love it meant uh, uh, celebration to me and so so not being able to prepare meals and uh, for my family and have gatherings at my house and and hug them with my food was, was hard for me. And so I said, there's, there's just gotta be a way that I can do this without harming my family. Cause I realized now what a travesty it was that we were, we were feeding. Uh, I was, I personally was feeding my family, the foods that was killing them or hurting them. And, uh, so I said, there's gotta be a different way. There just has to be. And that was my drive. I wanted to make sure that they had those traditional foods, those foods that were comfort foods, those foods that we were used to eating, but it was in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just uh, released a podcast interview today with a doctor, Wayne Jonas, who was was talking about, you know, like the studies of Mediterranean diets, and they're much healthier than the American diet. And he says that, that the researchers looked at the food only. That what they didn't look at is that when people were consuming the Mediterranean diets, they were consuming them at large family gatherings. 
Right. <laughs> like, like you know, his view was that was at least as healthy as as health promoting as the chemicals in the food. Right. Uh, right. And I and that's the way that's the way all of our food was presented. We always had family gatherings around our food, and uh, and I wanted to continue that, but I didn't want the food to harm us anymore. And so that that's been a mm-hmm. big drive for me. That's been mm-hmm. my drive. Right. And so do you see when you present this food at, you know, larger gatherings of people who aren't, you know, part of the uh, the, the immediate Lajani clan um, that people can come and say, OK, now I see I can be healthy and I don't have to change who I am. They're still reluctant. They'll they'll admit that it's good. I, I had mm-hmm. I had a coworker the other day. She she got my. Of course, she's trying to do the whole food plant based, and I'm so proud of her for it because she's stepping mm-hmm. out the box and she's being very open minded in a in a society that's not very accepting of that right now. And she said, "I tried your lentil loaf," and she said, "You know what? It was just like meatloaf." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yes, it's very good. So you can have that and not meatloaf." And so if people will admit that it's good. But they won't they won't commit to fixing food that way or eating that way uh, for a long period of time. They still want to go back to their their other foods, you know. So it's It's, frustrating. It's it's hard if if you're not a good out the box thinker in in this society, you're not really taught to be an out the box thinker. But you kind of got to just think out the box. And once you realize that you can create meals without having your everyday cookie cutter, what you grew up with. Oh, well, I've got to have chicken breast or it's got to have a piece of pork chop or it's got to have something on the plate. I mean, what's on the plate if there's no meat, you know, but if you think out of the box and you get the information of, well, all protein comes from plants, you know, and getting, you know, eating animal proteins, the most inefficient form of protein there is. And you start looking at all these things and then, you know, realize what lentils are. I had no clue what lentils were before I started eating this way. I've never had lentils. But you first, (laughs) The, you have to you have to take the step towards the thing, mm-hmm. and then you start then you start being innovative, and you come across lentils, right? So then it's like okay, well first I'll just cook them in just a big pile of cooked down lentils, but then you can start using it as a meat substitute. She makes her lentil loaf, and mixed with mm-hmm. a little oat flour and some other stuff. So mm-hmm. you got to take the step and not be afraid. And and through the necessities of getting things done, you'll figure out all kind of stuff. Right. You know, um, and the the lentil it, loaf is is in the cookbook, right? It yes. is. It is. Okay, just um, yeah. just checking. And Dustin, one th- one thing I know and really admire about you is you've become very passionate about f- gardening, farming, about the production of the food. You're no, you're no longer just okay. Let me go to the supermarket and buy the right food. You've uh, you've created you know, this whole evolution of turning into a very innovative producer of food as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Just trying to educate myself on 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 grow, getting more familiar with being able to grow because um, I just I've all, because of the change of diet and you know just because of things I've learned, I want to be able to and have the knowledge. Um, last year, actually, it started. I really started last year uh, when I hurt my knee. I'd been interested before, but last year I hurt my knee running, and I had I had to find something to replace the energy, and I put it into 
a big potato potato field. I mean, uh, a potato field. It was more like four rows of about 75 feet, four 75-foot rows of potatoes that was all hand done. And um, I started, I just started looking into the best ways to grow potatoes, started looking into, you know, how I needed to water them. I, I came up with, my, with a, uh, came up with my own uh, irrigation system for them. Um, and I even started creating my own um, fertilizer, my own organic yeah. fertilizer that I made right here at home. And um, I'm just trying to, just trying to get as much knowledge as I can if the necessity ever hit to where I had to grow my own food. So I'm just experimenting with different things. And, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's nothing better than eating what you grow, you know? And I'm a firm believer of eating things grown locally. You can't get better than that because, you know, it's from the soil on which you live on. And I think that, that, that eating a tomato from the soil in my backyard does my body better than eating a tomato that was grown a hundred miles away or a thousand miles or away. Across the country, <laughs> different country. Right. And I think, you know, when we're, when I've been down to, uh, to visit you guys, there's a lot of poverty around. Right. And, yes. and a lot, and I wouldn't say you live in a food desert, but probably for a lot of people, it sort of feels that way. So, you know, you, you'll get your food from, convenience stores or, or grocery stores that tend to not really have high quality produce. Like you'd look at it and go like, no, that does not look like the main, the thing I want to eat. You, it's, it's the family dollar around here. There's more family dollar stores than you can shake a stick mm-hmm. at around here. Yeah. And that's sadly a source of a lot of uh, grocery shopping. Yeah. And there's no produce. And freezers there's and, no produce. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what do people buy from family dollar? All process. It would. It has to be all processed. Boxed, frozen foods. Frozen, frozen mm. processed meats, um, mm. uh, boxed uh, mac and cheese, crackers. Just all. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. highly processed foods that have long shelf lives. Um, uh-huh. Long shelf life. Uh huh. And you know, so to be able to to show people that you can grow your own food, pretty you know, close to for free. Right. Like, I think one of the things I really when I saw what you were doing with potatoes, I was like, you know, like I'm, I grew up in the Northeast. Like if you want a garden, you go to some catalog and you order like a six hundred dollar thing and it comes and, you know, and, and like, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, melt and pour. Like, you, you know, you're not really but, you know, you're building things out of out of nothing, out of scrap out of things that are already going to waste or lying around or are, or are free. You're sort of innovating with a system that actually puts money in people's pockets. Yeah. Yes. And I'm I'm right now starting to uh, save my seeds from my produce that I'm getting because I want to be able to not have to go buy seeds anymore. I'm saving (laughs) pretty almost seed bank. I'm on my second year. Dustin had uh, grown like two stalks of okra one year and I was out walking one day and I saw this huge okra pod and I said, well, I'm going to pick it and throw it. And I picked it and threw it up on the shelf somewhere and it dried. And the next year it went to plant. I pulled out those little seeds and they had like 50 seeds. So I had plenty. I mean, I was giving everybody okra and I planted okra in my garden, had plenty okra for me and I'm, 
planning again out of those. I saved those seeds and I'm planning again from those that same pod that I got from Dustin two years ago. Right. If every, every year you save the best, uh, a pod of the best plant, yes. you know, in 10, in 10 summers, you've got a new variety, right? That's perfectly, um, you know, titrated to your soil and your surroundings. Right. Well, keep an eye out for that lasagna okra. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you guys are going to keep it op- open source, though, right? You're not going to. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about the uh, the cookbook. What made you want to put something out into the world? Just to help help other people and let them know that there's another way, you know, especially mm-hmm. people from my area is why I wanted some of these, you know, not to mention, you know, people from my area as well. But a lot of people worldwide are very interested in Cajun food. And I want to I want that plant based person that's living in the northwest to that wants Cajun food to be able to have an idea of some Cajun food, but not have to worry about changing the recipe. Here's a guy that's already put together a sauce pecan recipe for you if you want to try it, you know. And um, but also for the guy that lives, you know, two miles down the road that that needs to lose some weight. Here's a sauce pecan recipe, bro. You can eat this one instead of the one you make, and let's see if that gets us a little better result. Yeah. You know. Uh huh. So how long did it take you to put together a cookbook? Because I know when I read cookbooks, I think, oh, this this must have been easy. Like, you know, I've never tried to write one. Like she said, the hardest part for me was to actually to to put a number on and measurements on everything, because I'm just used to getting in the kitchen and dancing with it. You know, just, you know, add rice and add water. And, I'll you know, I'll see uh, I might need a little bit yeah. more water or I have too much water. So I need to add a little rice. But. To actually measure stuff out is was time consuming, was different, but I think was important because it's the only way you can really share what that's the only way I can share what I came up with, what I created, you know, so and let other people try it. But it was, yeah, you know, coming up with the different measurements was the most time consuming part for me. Taking, you know, making everything and cooking it and trying to get good pictures that was fun. I enjoyed doing yeah. that. Yeah, it was oh. the it was the getting everything right. I have a, a I, you know, when you go to plant stock, they give you those little notebooks yeah. to write notes in. And I never wrote notes because I was always paying attention to everybody talking. And so that I grabbed that. And that's what I started using to write my recipes down. And it's a mess because I would write them down. And then I go back and scratch something off and put it a different way. And then I'd scratch it. And put, so it's a mess. It's a mess. And, and so once I got all that pretty much right, then that's when I said, okay, maybe we can start making the cookbook and and then you once you think you get all your measurements right then you have to cook it the way that yeah. that recipe tells you to cook it which i'm not used to doing anyway to make sure that when somebody else cooks it that it'll be correct it'll come out right uh-huh. and, right and uh did you guys collaborate on the the recipe that was served at the crescent city classic for the last few years or is no that that's that, my, that's, that's all yours Right. That's my gumbo. Yeah, yeah. I had I had many bowls of that. I I, pro- I probably I probably had as I probably had as much as if it had been a marathon. <laughs> I had actually planned to go this year, but Dustin uh, Dustin did the um, oh that was bait. that was for the Louisiana marathon. They had your gumbo right, right. and yeah. Dustin did the bear bait, and I wasn't able to go because I wanted to go cheer uh-huh. him on. But I want to taste what they did. I want to make sure it's good. 
Was it good? It was it was phenomenal. Great, great. They did a good that job. That was Whole Foods that made that, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean that's that was there was a lot of people eating that who didn't know about plant-based or or anything, right? I mean the the classic I was in a Corral G with a thousand other people. There must have been 20,000 runners. And most of them in the park at least could see that there was this healthy option of really traditional New Orleans cuisine. Good. Oh. I'm glad they did a good job. Yeah. And that that took that took a long time for me to get that recipe just right. And um Josh wants to do a a, a a live cooking demo with me and Dawson. And I think the first thing I'm gonna do is show people how to make a roux without the oil. And it's delicious. Okay, good, because I, I I need that too. I uh I was I think I was stirring something for like twenty minutes and nothing was happening. Okay. So uh, because it takes a long it takes time. A <laughs> yeah, keep stirring and keep doing it before. Yeah, it's a, it takes a long time. Uh, well, maybe you guys need to come out with a line of uh, pre-cooked roux for us um, northeasterners with no patience. Uh, yeah. Hey, thought about that actually. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about a couple of some of the recipes in the book because, like, one of my goals in this podcast is just to get this book into thousands of people's hands because it's it's that good. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's it creates converts. It's uh, you know, I mean, that's that's the that's that's what that's your purpose. That was the tool is to. to oh, absolutely, absolutely. Right. And and we're already thinking about a second one. There's many many more things we want to uh, conquer. Cool. Uh, and I know Cajun food. So what what was the next one? The cage, traditional Cajun yeah. foods like kubion and and uh, boudin and and etouffees and stuff like that. So oh. we're gonna work on it. Cool, cool. And I got to talk to you guys about uh, a print edition because people are yes people are complaining uh, they don't just want it on their Kindles anymore. Right, right. right. Uh, uh, for me, well, the recipes uh, there's there's a, the pastelaya. Which actually created, it came from the jambalaya and everybody, it's kind of new. Uh, and so we have the pastelaya and then I have my jambalaya and Dustin has a jambalaya. We have two different recipes, different cooks cook different ways. Okay. I actually like his, his is a red jambalaya. He puts tomato sauce in his and I have the brown jambalaya. Uh-huh. And the, isn't, that, uh, isn't that like a, isn't that like a big, um, cultural argument about whether tomatoes go in jambalaya not jambalaya gumbo gumbo okay i have tomatoes in my gumbo but it's rotel tomatoes which is spicy which kind of gives you a little it's a little okay but uh, the reason i did that is because the okra will get a little slimy if you don't have that that tomato in it uh when you were cooking it with all the meats and things it was different and so I found that that helped kind of cut down on the sliminess of the gum of the okra. So I get a, I get a a reprieve from having uh, tomatoes in my gumbo. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and, so, and yeah. I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that my daddy used to make a turnip stew, and that was his. That was his. Uh, he loved cooking. My dad loved cooking, and that was one of his favorite dishes he cooked. But, of course, it always had uh, uh, tasso in it and smoked sausage and bacon. What's what's tasso? Tasso is 
I have no idea. It's like it's a, a pigeon sausage. It's, it's um, I think, I think it's uh, pork belly. Okay. Yeah, smoked pork belly is what it is. Uh-huh. It's it was good, and everybody sure. puts tasso and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so, uh, and he put um, mushrooms and all kind of stuff in it. And so, of course, I wanted to create a turn, turnip stew, and that's in my gumb- in my recipe book, and. Um, my lentil loaf for sure. My and then the I have the stuffed bell peppers. Um, I want to do uh, my next project. I want to do a, a melaton uh, because the Cajun people uh, grow melatons and they do a shrimp dressing in them. So I'm going to try and create that. And is that is and, that the same as the chayote squash? Is that, I have no idea. Is that is, that, is, that, is melaton like a little a, a, a like a, a squash with a Yes. It's a little green, yeah. pear-shaped uh-huh. vegetable. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. Uh, uh, Grayson goes to uh, daycare, and, uh, of course, I didn't want him eating the foods that they were serving him, so I took the menu from his daycare, and I recreated those things. And so that's where my chickpea nuggets came in. That's where my fishless sticks oh. came in and stuff like that. That way he can eat the same looking meal as the other kids but it'd be plant-based it looks like Uh everything everybody's eating so he doesn't get picked on but he's not eating it so uh yeah i've heard i've heard from people that the fishless sticks are one of the like sleeper hits (laughs) of the the cookbook Uh i get my family requests that quite often the uh fishless sticks with white beans because fish fried fish with white beans is another traditional cajun meal and so they want my fish sticks with the white beans. Uh, they request that a lot. So, gotcha. Have you heard from people who've uh, who've gotten the cookbook? The people writing to you, or uh, I've yes. heard from a few. Yes, a few. Mm-hmm. What do you hear? Good things. All good. Awesome. Uh-huh. They love it. They, All good. they uh, I've had uh, a couple of friends cook a few dishes. Uh, some guys in the running club cooking cooking some of the dishes and uh, posting pictures. Saying they love it. All right. I would have to say my favorite recipe beside the gumbo, my mm-hmm. favorite recipe is the lentil loaf. What's yours? The lentil loaf's pretty good. Lentil <laughs> loaf's pretty good. Um, oh, and I like your sauce pecan. His that, sauce pecan's amazing. I would go with the jambalaya, my jambalaya. I, yeah. I, I hang my hat on that. I used to hang my hat on my jambalaya before I went plant-based. And... Uh, I've just changed a few ingredients, and I still I, I just enjoy cooking it because it's it's mm-hmm. steps you got to build it, you know. Right. Build in one pot. Now, one of the other things I noticed about the, a lot of the recipes is so there's as I look I'm looking at the the table of contents of all the different kinds of recipes, but a lot of them are very similar in terms of the base and the steps. And there's there's something you know I feel like if you cook from this for a couple of weeks you will start to understand the underlying principles of it. And then you can go and invent your own right. ba- based so on it. That's your flavor is, your, your roux and your trinity. That's where your flavor starts. And you have to get that right. That's mm-hmm. where it starts. All right. You guys, have any, any, any plans? So I know Josh is trying to try to get you in front of a camera to do some demos. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see you guys have a cooking show. 
That would be cool. That would be nice. I, I would. I would. I would be so happy to have you guys on the on the Food Channel. I would probably even pay for cable if if <laughs> if, if, if that's what it took. That's a good idea. So Okay. And Mona, I know you're also involved with Plant Pure, right? Can you talk a little yes. bit talk a little bit about what you're doing there? Yes. Uh Nelson Campbell contacted me. Of course, you know we did a plant, a jump start last year in our area. And Nelson for some reason is is enamored with the uh, with our area. Of course, because it's just amazing, it's unique and I love it, the swamps and all and the traditions. And so he wants, he wanted to do another jump start here in this area this year. And so I've been working on that for probably a couple of months now. Uh, it's going to start June 1st. I have 26 participants and I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping I can help some people realize that we can still have good food and still be healthy. Mm-hmm. And who, who are the, the people who are the 26 well how do you how, you know how would you describe them um it's a it's a good it's a good mix i have a co-worker that's a teacher that's a part of it i have probably three or four nurses i have a nurse practitioner i have uh just regular lay people that are wanting to to lose weight and learn how to get healthier i also have a, an amazing doctor uh in homa a local doctor that's excited to help and support me in this and so that's gonna that's gonna help spread the word so mm-hmm. i'm excited about this i'm hoping it's going to really help uh our our community get healthier wow and that sounds like that might be the leverage because right like you the lajani family succeeded and then you kind of hit a wall in terms of going outside to the wider community but doctors and nurses Yes. Right. Like we, we find and, you know, Josh has told me the story plenty of times about, you know, Bam Bam's doctor kind of poo pooing the changes that, yeah. had, that had gotten him to lose all his weight. And that, you know, if someone like, you know, who are we to tell someone something that contradicts what their doctor says? Right. So that all, all of a sudden you get the health care people on. I think that might be the turning point for uh, well, Bay and Homa. And, is, takes one excuse away anyway. You know? Right. This doctor has stepped out. Uh, she uh, um, she went to the Lifestyle Medicine Conference in California. I think you and Joshua are part of. And, uh, and because I've tried to reach out several times to our local hospital, to our local fitness center, our registered dietitians, and probably about three or four times, and I was, I was turned down all times, mm. every single time. And so... They're still very reluctant to be a part of it. So that's why I was really excited to have this doctor on board with us. And uh, she's from Homa. And so she's almost local. She's about 20, 20 miles away and, and just been an amazing support for us. So I'm really excited about her being a part of this and then the nurses and the nurses, the nurse practitioner being a part of this. So they can spread that message to, to patients, you know, that, that need this way of eating. Mm-hmm. And so Nelson's providing the meals and some uh, support curriculum. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. And is this is this going to be for another movie? Uh, he's going to. Yes, he will be coming down and filming some of the uh, the results and talking to some of the people. Yes, it's going to be it's going to be uh, he filmed last year 
and it's just going to be addition to the the filming that he did last year. Great. Has has he asked you guys for recipes for uh, for um, plant pure foods? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm going to put that, put that bug in his head. <laughs> Not yet. So. All right. Anything we uh, haven't talked about that you guys want to share? I don't think no. so. I think we cover. I just, I just would love everyone to try our our book, and it's not because we uh, want to make money because it's we're trying to charge just least the least amount we can. Mm-hmm. I just want people to see that you can cook and and uh, healthy and have good food and have uh, have your family around good food and still be healthy. Awesome, and the book is called Pure Ambrosia. Where does the title come from? From my dad. Okay, and I can't tell you. Dustin can tell you. Bam, bam. Every time, <clears throat> the first time I've heard him use the word ambrosia, pure ambrosia, was <clears throat> we were at our fishing, his fishing camp, and I was probably eight years old. And he had us jump out of the boat, uh, me and Josh and myself, uh, Josh and myself, and some other people were still in the boat, but the only people that got out were me and Josh. And we were told to go pick oysters. So we had a bucket, a five gallon bucket, and a hammer. And we were out there all day getting sunburnt, picking oysters and getting dirty. And we got back to the camp and Bam Bam showed us, taught us how to shuck the oysters. And we everybody got cleaned up and we were in the camp in the kitchen and Bam Bam was cooking the soup. He had a stool pulled up to the stove and he was cooking a, it was a butter cream based soup that he was making and had oysters in it. And, uh, but after everybody was cleaned up and at the kitchen table and he called, called us over the guy, you know, me and Josh, cause we picked the oysters and, uh, he had us taste the soup. And right after we had tasted it, he just kind of slapped his hands together and folded his arms and leaned back. And he said, Oh, that's pure ambrosia, isn't it? And I never, I had never heard, you know, and I never knew what it meant, but I've always, I, I, I would always say it as explaining how good something was, you know? And um, after finding out, uh, well, well, searching for a title for the book, and, you know, uh, I was like, it's perfect because it, it yeah. means the food of the gods. And, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it, it just it just ties in everything. You know, even though it's not the same food that I learned that saying from, it still hits at home because, you know, my Bam Bam said it, and now it can be, referring to good tasting food that gets us healthy. Yes. And um, I just thought it was the perfect, perfect name. And he said that quite often. He said it very often. And a lot of times he was shaking a, a drink when he would say it. Pure amber. So, <laughs> yes, very meaningful for us. And it was the perfect title. Great. So it's both completely honoring and rooted in, tra- in tradition. Yes. And at the same time, flipping it on its head. Correct. Absolutely. So beautiful. So the book is Pure Ambrosia. It's available on Amazon Kindle. Uh, We got to talk offline about turning it into a print book um, soon. Yes. (laughs) And Dustin and Mona, thank you so much. It's been it's been such um, a heart opening experience getting to know you guys over the last few years and to to see is ours. Ours. I'm assure you. you, Thank you, buddy. I appreciate Uh everything. You're an amazing person, and I love your wife, you sweetheart. Oh, I'm going to go give her a hug and tell her you said that. 
I want to tell you I love your blue fingernail polish. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah. It's. Uh, I talked. I showed it to Sarai. She goes. She thinks it's for Code Blue. <laughs> hey, I will be glad when that comes out too. Right Wait. On. <laughs> All right. Well, we're all we're all on different fronts, um, move, moving humanity forward. So thank you guys so much for all you do for pure ambrosia and for taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you, man. Right. Bye. I hope you were inspired and delighted by that conversation. And I also hope you're going to go and get a copy of pure ambrosia off of Amazon. You can also find that link for the show notes for today's episode, which is number 325. So at plantyourself.com slash 325, you can find links to the book, to Dustin's appearance on the Today Show, to Mona's work with uh, Plant Pure Pods. It's all there, plantyourself.com slash 325. If you're new to the show, I've got hundreds and hundreds of archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. Dot com. If you'd like to support the show, you can subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I heard today it's official that iTunes is going away. It's going to be replaced by, among other things, Apple Podcasts. And those reviews really, really help me reach more people. Uh, you can also share this and other episodes on social media. Let people know. And, of course, you can become a patron of the show at plantyourself.com. Just click on the right sidebar, the Patreon link to make an ongoing monthly contribution. Even a dollar a month helps a great deal. And you also get access to all the healthy habit huddles. As I like to say, as I, like to, I stole from the Guardian newspaper online, the Plant Yourself podcast is free for those who can't afford it because it's supported by those who can. So if you can and you align with the mission of this show, I would love it if you could join us elbow to elbow to keep this going into the world. All right, let's talk about garden news. Um, we've got a whole bunch of sweet potato slips that have gone into the ground. I've been making some uh, green smoothies with uh, spring kale and collards. And we got a whole bunch of peas, snap peas, snow peas that we harvested two weeks too late. So they're taking a lot more effort to we now have to shell them before we can eat them. But they still are absolutely delicious. We're getting now a handful of blueberries every day. And it looks like, fingers crossed, this might be the first good scuppernung muscadine grape season in about three or four years. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of bunches of tiny little green grapes. And I hope nothing happens to them so that by September uh, we can be harvesting five-gallon buckets of them. In running news, still dealing with the old PF, the plantar fasciitis. Um, I've gotten some relief um, from from ice packs, from certain stretches, from doing melt method exercises, from Tom Delonzo Baker's total motion release. Nothing has quite solved it yet. I did go to uh, CVS and I bought one of these um, right angle foot braces to keep my foot at a 90 degree angle at night, but I had to take it off after an hour. It was not fun. Uh, so still still working on the cure for plantar fasciitis. Meanwhile, did a four mile limp today and I've got uh, ultimate Frisbee old men regionals coming up this weekend. So hopefully uh, it'll hold up for, for a couple of games. And if it does, then I will be going to Aurora, Colorado for nationals if we come in first or second down in Atlanta this weekend. 
All right, thank you to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use allowing me to use his beautiful song Sabali Don, the Dance of Peace. Check out willridenour.com for more. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself Podcast patrons. Got a new one this week, so here goes. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharf, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kanofsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldon, Victoria Dolomanova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julian Rowland, Stu Donlick, Sarah Durkis, Ramses Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gila Sarah, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorota Bizov. Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Carper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, at Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobles, Shell Rudless, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rolls, Rolls, Linda Ayat, Julie Lang, Alicia Davis, Aviva Lael, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Orlikoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, Lan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelden, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Humble, Deb Casilla, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Corny, Stephen Leon, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Cartz, Deanne Bishop, Elbriel. Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarit Hagen, T- Tracy Gullis, Let Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Joan Borstein, and Diana Goldman for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. So if you appreciate the Plant Yourself podcast and would like to help support the mission of the show, there's a few easy ways to do it. One is to just go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Let other people know about it. Give us some stars. Give us some love. And that really helps us be found by more people. Something else, of course, you can do is let someone know about this podcast, someone uh, who you think would benefit. Send them maybe a couple of episodes that you think would uh, pique their interest or just uh, ask them to subscribe in general. And third, you can join arms and become a patron, a financial supporter of this show. You may have noticed that there's no advertising in the show and it's free for everyone and it's supported, paid for by those who can afford it. So if you would like to make a one time contribution or an ongoing monthly pledge, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. All right. Time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenour.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Tom Fronsek, Jeanette Benham, Gil Lacerre, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. 
The equally mysterious Tracy Z of Eva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harperson, Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, The Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon Hirschman, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divid, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Lenane Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan. Petty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Carson, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunn Marie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Avedible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>